Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey, everybody. It's Dave here. And Darren is sounding fine after a little bit of computer issues. Welcome back to another episode of Duo Bloggers with Darren and Dave. And in today's episode, we're, we have an exciting lineup of topics to discuss. First up, we'll delve into the state of the Vikings defense and explore why it continues to struggle under the leadership of Brian Flores. We'll analyze the statistics compared to previous seasons and question whether a change in approach is needed, needed or necessary, or is it a talent deficiency thing? Next, we'll shift our focus to the Vikings running back game and examine potential demotion of Alexander Madison. Will he be fired? Well, with recent fumbling issues, Kevin O'Connell has hinted at a possible changes in the running back room. We'll evaluate Madison's performance, consider the arrival of Cam Akers, and discuss the team's options moving forward. And lastly, we'll preview the upcoming game where your Minnesota Vikings are at the Carolina Panthers. We'll assess the strengths and weaknesses of both teams, paying close attention to the rookie quarterback, Bryce Young, and the challenges he presents for the Vikings defense. Additionally, we'll explore the offense offensive strategies, and coaching decisions that need improvement to secure the Vikings' first win. So sit back, relax, and join us as we delve into these three intriguing themes 
in today's episode of Two Old Bloggers. Vikings First and Skull presents This Week in Vikings Land with Darren and Dave, your two old bloggers. Hey everybody, it's Dave here, Darren over there. Darren, off to a little bit of a rough start today, but how are things going in the great white north? Beautiful day here uh, today, David, and we've gone, I think, five straight days without smelling any wildfire smoke. So that's good. Uh, getting rain, things are cooling down, things are starting to simmer down up here, which is great after the summer that we have had. It is good news. Absolutely fantastic. Well, down here in Texas, it's starting to cool off a little, little bit. We're now into hot. Uh, instead of fall, it's hot. But. <laughs> Uh, today's still in the 90s, but next week we should be in the 80s, maybe even touch 70s for a high, which would be sweet. But there'll be rain those days, which is good. We need it. Now, this show, this episode, we wanted to talk about your Minnesota Vikings and how, why does the defense seem so offensive when we switched defensive coordinators, and totally revamped the philosophy of it. That's next on Theme 1. Why is the Vikings defense still offensive? Tell us. Yes, of course, my opinion, of course, but um, many times we've talked about on on the show, Dave, like all about uh, like, hey, we got rid of Ed Donatel. And, you you know, I think everybody kind of remembers when we hired Brian Flores, how, hey, this new super aggressive blitz heavy defensive coordinator, that's exactly the kind of, uh, you know, attitude and scheme change that we need after Ed Donatel. And how that's going to turn the Vikings defense around, or at least make it from god awful to something respectable. And uh, I think, you know, there was a lot of optimism, a lot of uh, interest in seeing how the Vikings defense would perform under Brian Flores, as opposed to, you know, the mad scientist blitz happy Brian Flores against the very timid, ultra non aggressive Ed Donatel, uh, last year's defensive coordinator. And a lot of optimism, a lot of excitement about that. And problem is, so far after three games, is the defense is not looking any better, is not performing any differently with the difference oh, with four as a defensive coordinator. Ten. Yeah, yeah. Well, maybe as a de- <laughs> pretty much operate, you know, performing the same, the results are the same as they under Flores as they were under Ed Donatel. Uh, you know, looking at 2023, just right now, three games for the Vikings, of course, they're giving up uh, over three games, 27, just a shade over 27 points per game, which is 26th in the NFL right now. 2022, the Vikings, with all the complaints we had about that defense, over 17 games, mind you, so larger sample size, they gave up just a shade over 25 points a game, which was 28th ranked in the NFL. So our ranking is higher, but we're actually giving up right now more points points per game. Yards per game. Again, last year, the Vikings hemorrhaged yardage, giving up yardage throughout the game. And um, right in 2023, right now, after three games, we're giving up an average of 382 yards per game, which is 27th in the NFL. Last year, 2022, we gave up 
389 yards per game on average, which was 31st, almost dead last in the NFL. So again, not quite giving up as many yards right now, but it's very, very slight. And if the Vikings continue on this yardage that they're giving up uh, average path right now, uh, last year, the Donatel's defense gave up 6,608 yards over 17 games. Right now, we're at 1147 under uh, Flores. If uh, you again, if that average were to basically hold, we give up 60. We'd give up 65,000 yards over 17 games, which is pretty much status quo yardage wise, which what wow. we did last year. And so, not great, um, not great at all. And you know what the hell is happening here? Wasn't Flores going to you know prove? Wasn't it a, a you know more of again blitz heavy? more of an aggressive mindset, not sitting back, setting the tone, you know, trying to get quarterbacks uncomfortable and, and, and rush their process. Um, you know, wasn't that supposed to at least result in some difference and some improvement in the defense and get us to at least mediocre, but it hasn't happened. I think, you know, if you look at one week, it's one thing. Uh, the first week was pretty encouraging, Dave, uh, you know, over, overall, we, you know, we we only gave up twenty points to Tampa Bay, uh, under three hundred yards offense. I think it was two hundred and thirty five. Not very much, but Tampa Bay is not an offensive juggernaut. They got Baker Mayfield as a quarterback who's doing okay, but not great. Uh, their run game is not very good. Uh, their offensive line is meh. Uh, they've got Mike Evans and Chris Godwin to throw to, but but we saw against Philly against a good, real good defense how ineffective they were. They had 11 points and under 200 yards in offense in that game uh, compared to what they did against the Vikings. So you know Tampa Bay was encouraging, but you you got to consider who we were playing against. Philly was more, and then the Chargers were more of a test to see how much different would this defense perform, how much better would it perform. Uh, this year under Flores. And as we saw against Philly got gashed, but against the run game over 250 yards given up there last week against the chargers is the opposite. The chargers didn't really, really attempt to run the ball at all. They didn't run the ball very well, but Justin Herbert and the chargers just threw the ball on us all game long. Um, we had no answers for what they were doing. And I think that's been one of the, the you know, the big concern for me, through the, the last two games is that looking at um, looking at what Brian Forrest has done has been the, there have been no adjustments against Philly. We, he kept on going with the light defenses, the light boxes, a three, three, five, or sometimes, sometimes it was a two, four, five. Sometimes he only had one defensive lineman on there, kept on doing that. We kept on, getting gashed by the run there was no adjustments made he didn't try to beef up the defense a little bit although we're a small defense anyway but he didn't put bullard in there for more snaps when lowry was ineffective he didn't try to go you know try to not run out so many safeties on there and nothing changed and against the chargers well in that case in that game Flores blitzed well like well over 80 percent of the dropbacks that the chargers had and Again, uh, it was very ineffective. <laughs> you know, right. 80, eighty percent. I've never, I myself, have never seen a defense blitz that much in a game. And, uh, uh, I think there was only one game that had more blitzes in, in the history of the NFL than that one. I mean, yeah, th- th- that's unbelievable. And you know, it's one thing if it works, but it didn't work. Like uh, Herbert was. 
I think he was 30, yeah, he was 34 for 40 for 317 yards and three TDs, no interceptions on drop on those drop boxes where he was blitzes. So again, you know, where were the adjustments? If that wasn't working and it wasn't, you know, I'm not saying you can't don't blitz all the time. I agree with the being aggressive and blitzing, but uh, if it's not working, you got to try a few little different things. Like maybe sometimes you do have to drop three, uh, you know, rush three and drop eight as much as a lot of us hate it, just to give them a different look, make them think a little bit longer. Maybe you again, you you sh- maybe you could have shaded a, a, a defensive back or two toward Keenan Allen's side, considering he was catches <laughs> against us, particularly when Mike Williams went out in the second half with that, right. that injury and he wasn't out there anymore for us to account for. So it was really Keenan Allen was the main guy. Again, we didn't do any of that. Uh, we had no answers for what Kellen Moore's game plan was, which was uh, he saw that we were, we were blitzing and that we had off coverage in a lot of those times. We weren't playing press man. So he was very content. I'm going to get the ball out of Justin Herbert's hands in like about two two seconds, and I'm going to throw a short and take advantage of that off cover, coverage. And it worked over and over and over and over and over and over <laughs> and over. Yes, and but I don't. Even if you tried to change it up, now the bringing three rushers and dropping back eight, I can understand that as a change. But I don't think. What it comes down to me is I don't think we have the talent. If Mark and Davin, Marcus Davenport ever gets off his ass and pl- actually plays, that yeah. may help tremendously because now you have pressure on more than one side. Right yes. now, Daniil Hunter's getting double teamed everywhere. He's going if to I, anyway. Yeah, he's most likely going to anyways. But right now, offensive coordinators are simple where you shed our Coverage over here to, towards Daniel. We don't have to worry that much about on the opposite side, and we'll just go at it. They need something else to worry. The Vikings do not have that, and there's no cavalry coming to no. uh, piggyback off of what it was Justin's notes in his podcast this morning. They aren't coming. This is it. There's nothing, and that is uh, so unfortunate. Anthony, the, the new Wyatt Davis, maybe who was the guy that uh, we questioned whether he existed or not? Because he was, was on the roster. It was Brett Jones. Yeah, Brett Jones. Yeah, we didn't know, was this guy Sasquatch or what? Um, <laughs> his problem with injuries it was that Zimmer hated his guts and would not play him. <laughs> <laughs> Davenport, you know, Ah, uh, it seems that way. It seems that way. Um, the, Jonathan, yeah, it'd be nice if somebody in the secondary stepped up, but I, we don't and, have the horses back there either. the The strongest room is the safeties, and a few of them have done extremely well. Cam Bynum being one of them. Metellus played well, even her, dinged yeah. up. Uh, Davy Davy James has mentioned a couple of times, and he's talking about the the you know the talent level and like why Flores is, Flores and what he's his blitz heavy ways why it's not making any difference on the defense. And again, yeah, it's a talent level issue. That's what I think. And and really, again, he, he does not have the horses to to have a, an, a, an effective or even a mediocre defense at this point. Sad to say. And 
again, yeah, like I said, like you you said, like Justin had said earlier earlier today, oh, there's nobody other than Davenport on the roster right now that you can say plug this guy in instead of that guy, and you might and and things are going to turn around. We have to, I think, hope. And on hope, uh, as the saying goes, is not a plan. Uh, but we have to hope that some of these guys who aren't performing right now, Pat Jones, DJ Wanham, um, on, I, I don't know. Andre I wouldn't Carter. say, I wouldn't say right. Andre Carter. He, he, he actually had pressure. Pressure last game. He might have a, a more of a role on Sunday. I, I, I hate to, I hesitate, hesitate to say that a Caleb Evans has been, has been, um, um, a, playing poorly. I think he's been playing okay. He's given up some big plays. He missed that interception. But this is where, Dave, the the talent thing that'll go is this is where the draft and the develop and the Vikings have failure to do that on the defensive side is really coming to roost. And it has come to roost since 2020. We've had a terrible, we haven't had a good defense since 2019. And You know, you know, and on those, we just don't have the talent to have the kind of defenses that we got used to seeing when Mark Zimmer was here from 2015 and to, to 2019. And if you remember those defenses, they were made up of, they did have a few key free agent guys that from outside of the organization that made that defense strong. Terrence Newman, Linval Joseph, and... um as well as Tom Johnson, um, who we got from the Saints, one of my favorite free agent pickups of all time with the Vikings. But that defense that was pretty, pretty strong and number one in 2017, it was made up mostly of homegrown guys that we drafted and developed. Harrison Smith, Daniil Hunter, Eric Kendricks, Xavier Rhodes, Anthony Burr, even to some extent, people might roll their eyes, but even to some extent, Trey Waynes, you know? Uh, And... We, since that time, since 2015, when we drafted Daniil Hunter and Eric Kendricks, we've drafted 40 defensive players over that time. And the only guys out of those 40 that are playing major roles now or starting are Caleb Evans, Cam Bynum, and Josh Metellus. And I would say that you could not make an argument that any of those three are really impact players. We don't, we haven't drafted another Daniil Hunter. We haven't drafted another Eric Kendricks. We haven't drafted another Xavier Rhodes. And the guys that we have drafted have either been flashed, like not panned out at all. Mackenzie Alexander, uh, Mike Hughes, right. uh, Jeff Gladney, on and on it goes. Even some of the guys that did do well, like Jaron Curse. Uh, or even Marcus Epps, who didn't make the team when he got drafted, I think in 2016, and now has, has started for several teams since. Right? Uh, you know, they, they didn't they didn't make their they didn't make their mark until they were gone from the Vikings. So it's been a real failure to draft and develop homegrown talent on the defensive side. Uh, that's I think the reason, big reason why we're seeing the kind of defensive performance that we're seeing now, and a lot of that falls on Rick Spielman, um, and also. To be fair, uh, we spent a lot of high capital, well, on cornerbacks during that period, but also we had to fix the offensive line. So the guys like Brian O'Neill, Christian Derrissaw, Ezra Cleveland, Garrett Bradbury, well, guess where they were drafted in the first and second round over the past four or five years, right? Um, and and we haven't picked defensive players other than cornerbacks really high. No linebackers, no defensive linemen, you know, higher up first right. round, second round. Since no edges. Then. No No edges. And we haven't gotten lucky, if you want to call that, like we used to when we picked Brian Robeson in the first round, or Everson Griffin, Griff, Griffin in the fourth round, or Daniil Hunter in the third round. We haven't right. you know, hit on those later round picks. And so 
th- then you, you can't plug everything with a free agent. Uh, and we haven't had the cap space to do that the past couple of years anyway. And so now you get a poor defense that you haven't been able to infuse with young talent that you drafted and developed, and you don't have the money to bring in free agents who might, you know, right. help, who might help. help. Who might or help. Have, yes, exactly. And we haven't hit on the free agents that have been brought in recently, no. like Zimmer did when he brought in Joseph or, you know, a lot of times people were looking back at the drafts and it's been well over 10, 15 years since they drafted an interior defensive lineman that succeeded. Um, Shree Floyd could have, but of course, snip. Oh, oh, got the nerve. Sorry, you're done. Um, and Shamara Steven does not count as a successful. He started, uh, but right. very good when he, when he um, did. But it's, you know, they found with Limbaugh Joseph, they brought in some some guys off their first contract that turned out to be very good to play that defensive line. They haven't done an edge in forever. They thought no. once they got Hunter, hey, that's a third rounder. Spielman said, ah, shit, I can find him in the late rounds. We don't have to worry about that. We'll focus on other stuff. And he He's didn't focus on that. And same with centers, right? He's like, ah, you know, I found Sullivan in the sixth. I'll be good. And it's and it's been that way, and those spots got neglected, and especially the last handful of years under that regime. It got neglected, or there were poor choices, with the exception of Jefferson and Darisaw, are the two biggies. All the rest are they're gone. They're not doing squat, right? Basically, and you have no money to spend because you kept paying those other guys to stay, and then pushing that can down the road. Until Quasi took over, and he, he has no money, and he's fighting to get under the cap. And by the time he gets under the cap, he has no money to spend on quality free agents. So he's going for the bargain bin shopping. Hey, I just found this guy in this bin. He's got the tons of upside, but he's been injured his whole career. Well, we're going to gamble on that or take this other mediocre guy we know, but He'll at least be on the field. Oh, let's go with the upside guy. Because if we hit, we hit big. He hasn't hit yet. Not a one of them that I can think of has come in here and hit big. So, and that's what he's fighting. And just to get people under. Davenport, yeah, they gave him $13 million. Okay. For an edge rusher, a premier edge rusher, you're going to pay more than that. For a lot of these guys... If Dalton Risner was estimated to be eight to twelve million uh, for a guard, and they couldn't afford it at the time, they didn't bring him back in. Or they didn't bring him in at the time. They had to wait until his price went down, and he was willing to accept a lower deal, up to four million dollars. And he didn't agree to whatever they offered before when they brought him in. It's it's the market, and it's how much money do they have available to spend at the time. They need to spend it. Yes. Did they get under the cap? Yes. Did they free up some money later? Yes. But at the time they needed to spend it, they did not have it. And folks are having a hard time adjusting to that. And they still won't next year. With all these guys leaving, Davenport, uh, Hunter, Cousins, those are the three biggies, the Vikings are going to have to pay $55 million in dead cap? 
That's $55 million you could be paying for that quality guard or that quality nose tackle or defensive three technique or linebacker or quarterback or whoever. But you're not going to have it because you've got to get out from under this heap of bad decisions and bad draft choices because you missed on all those bad draft choices. And some of it's not your fault. You know, a lot of it is. But it is what it is. Now, the whole purpose of this segment is Flores better than Donichel in the approach. Last year, you could say they didn't have as much talent either. This year, you might say they have even less. Depending on what you think of Eric Kendricks is at this point in his career, and letting letting a go a guy like that go, um, or I, Peterson versus yes. Murphy. Yeah, yep, that's right. Uh, I, I just yeah, I. The, there's no evidence right now to say that the force is a better defensive coordinator than Donatel with, with what he's done with the Vikings. Uh, it's I think just it's more whether, pleasing to watch. It is. Uh, I said last, I think I said on the show last week, I'd rather die with my boots on or off or however the uh-huh. same goes, like uh, trying to like dictate things and force the team into bad decisions and just sitting back and letting them do whatever they, you know, have their time to mosey on and pick and out whoever's open. I hope you stop them. I hope they get a couple of penalties. Hope there's some sort of screw up, uh, you know, time thing. And, you know, that's kind of what Donna and wait until you're at the 10 yard line to stiffen up because they don't have a real state to, to do all the things that the, an offense could do normally when they've got more field to work with, but they're still marching down the field. They're still getting in scoring position. So you know, I, I like, I like Brian Flores' approach. And I think again, with the right, right personnel. And also we got to remember, is that this is the second year of the three four, and maybe a lot of these players were drafted as playing a four three, and maybe that makes a little bit of a difference too. We don't quite have the personnel suited, particularly on the defensive line, to uh, to you know run an optimal, uh, very effective three four that that Brian Flores would like to to run. Um, Kevin Seifert was saying like the fact that he's. Um, <clears throat> The fact that he's trying to blitz so much uh, is in, indicates that Flores doesn't think that he can create pressure with just the regular Russian four with what we got right. because it's just Daniel Hunter and Ivan Pace and right now nobody else who can create pressure really. So uh, I think and you don't you know, necessarily the, want Pace to do it as a no, linebacker, but he sends Pace a lot. <laughs> and Pace has been very good at it. Pace is a and, bright spot this se- season so far. He is, and that's the kind of things, even though he wasn't drafted, that's the kind of, of hits you have to make on young guys to get the defense, maybe not this year probably, and maybe not next year, but in, I hate to say it, but 2025, you know, after you've some of your defensive players now, like Caleb Evans, Josh Metellus, um, et cetera, et cetera, um, Pace, um, and the, and some of the guy, other guys you bring in as young players, they 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 mature, they get better. They, they develop and you 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 draft and develop and you develop those younger guys, cheaper guys that make your defense what it needs to be or what we'd like to see. But uh, right now, if you're expecting, you know, things might look okay this weekend against Carolina, we'll see. And then people think, oh, well, the defense is turning itself around if we win and we have a good performance. But it, it's not it's not the Carolinas that and the Tampa Bay's that your defense 
has to perform well against for you to get to the playoffs, to challenge for an NFC North title again, and to get to a Super Bowl. It's it's the Phillies. It's even the Kansas Chargers. City. It, it's, Kansas City. it's San Francisco Cincinnati. that you're going to face. Yeah. It's going to be it's Detroit over. and Green Bay. That's right. Those are the offenses that your defense has to show they can handle and that they can prevent that they're not going to, those teams, all those offenses aren't, aren't going to score 27 to 34 points easy on you, which is what uh, I fear is, is the case right now with this, this defense. Uh, but, but I don't, I'm, I'm not, I'm not advocating that Brian Flores just start rushing three all the time and dropping eight into coverage 90% of the time. That's not what I'm saying, but I, I do feel that if things don't work, you've got to try different things. And uh, it must be that he feels like the only way we can win is this one way right now. And if it, if it doesn't work and I try something else, that's going to work even worse. Um, so I'm going to stick with what I'm doing, but I, I will see how things go particularly tomorrow with a different team, with a different offense. that's not quite as explosive, like how Flores plays it. Is it super aggressive again? Right. Does he down back a little bit? And we'll get into that in a couple of, in a few minutes. Theme three. Yep. Yeah. Speaking of themes, now on to theme two. Is Alexander Madison getting a demotion? (laughs) Well, Kevin O'Connell is mad as as hell, and he's not going to take it anymore, Dave. Uh, (laughs) Captain Kumbaya. This week, uh, his first media presser, he got asked about all the, the turnovers that the Vikings have been having. And, and the Vikings had developed a fumbling disease, particularly in the first three games. And um, they've got a turnover illness going on right now. And he was, he was asked about that. And, and for O'Connell, he was uncharacteristically blunt about that and how they're going to fix it. And he basically said, well, if the guys keep on coughing the ball up, uh, they're not going to play. We're going to put, put somebody else in who, who isn't going to cough the ball up because it's killing us. And it, and it has, um, you know, tough words from particularly from McConnell. Uh, but the fact is that of those nine turnovers and seven fumbles, Kirk cousins has has three fumbles, um, mostly not his fault and two interceptions. Hawkinson has a fumble and Justin Jefferson has a fumble out of those. Uh, those guys ain't getting benched. Nope. <laughs> um, no, your scapegoat's on the screen. Yeah, that's right. So uh, I don't know, but Alexander Madison, who also has one of those fumbles, and actually probably should have three now. Uh, right, he's he put the ball on the ground a few times. It's just been lucky enough not to have been called a fumble. Yeah. Yeah, well, last week was a bad call by the officials. Good call for the Vikings fans, but I thought that that was the wrong call, not giving the forward progress once forward progress had been stopped. Uh, and then the week before, he fumbled and got recovered by the Eagles. And they, again, but we got called for the penalty. So um, they didn't they didn't take it. Or anyway, uh, but he, he said he should have three fumbles. He's also dropped two easy passes that could have been, you know, pretty decent gains, uh, trying to catch before, run before he caught it. And those are the kind of things when you're Alexander Madison, you know, if the Vikings really thought he's not like a top tier running back, we know that. And they paid him that way with the two year, seven million deal. So a guy like that who's not top tier, you're giving him a chance. Uh, the leash could be pretty short for a guy like Alexander Madison, who's been a backup his first four years and has not proven that he can be the number one bona fide starting running back for an NFL team. Um, so, however, he had a decent game last week. 
Well, and we're going to get into that too, but uh, <laughs> excuse me, hate to burp here, but I should have went on mute. <laughs> well, you got that. I've got the, my allergies are just killing me and mm. my head is like a faucet today. <laughs> but uh, but uh, you would uh, Madison, I think, is with the way things have, have started for him, the Vikings are struggling to run the ball. Madison's putting the ball on the ground. He's dropping easy passes. It's got to be uh, tempting for Kevin O'Connell looking at his own three team and to say, aha, Alexander Madison, weak link. We can, if we replace him, that can be maybe a little bit of a dif- difference in improve. We can get an improvement in play there. Uh, that can maybe may- be the little difference that helps us start winning these one score games that we're in again, instead of losing them. And so the Vikings brought in a potential guy who can go in there and take over that role in cam acres. They traded for him, of course, uh, last week. Um, is I that going to cam acres is wearing a balaclava in September in Minnesota. It's not that <laughs> cold yet. No, but of course he did go to Florida state. And oh, <laughs> 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 and I think he's uh, he's from a warm Tennessee or uh-huh. something as well. Might be a little a little off there, or or new or yeah, Mississippi, something like that. Anyway, he's going to be uh, here come December. Yeah, well, he's not going to be playing outdoors in Minnesota when the home games are all indoors. U.S. Bank Stadium, seventy-five uh, and degree practice outside. That's true. Yeah, for outdoor games. Anyway. Uh, I do think uh, Akers didn't dress last week uh, too too soon, but he, he will be in there this week. And I expect that he might get eight to 10 touches. I'm expecting that tomorrow against Carolina. Uh, that doesn't mean eight to 10 carries, eight to 10 touches. He could get, he could be a few screen right. passes as well. But uh, I, I, I clearly, I'm pretty sure he's already been put into the number two backup running back right. and, and Ty Chandler is now number three. Uh, so I expect Akers to get a few touches. What he does with those touches could, de- and what Madison does with his could, is going to determine if there's a demotion. I, I don't, I don't think it's happening tomorrow. Madison is going to be the starter. He's going to get the bulk of the carries. Uh, but if the but Vikings we should get, see Akers in the game, we should see Akers. And, and I think Akers can help the Vikings be a more dangerous offense. Um, and he's a guy that, I can't say as displeased with Ty Chandler as what he's done so far. The fact is he hasn't gotten the ball very much, so we don't know what, <laughs> what you know, what his impact could be. He ran the ball well uh, last week against the Chargers, but he only got three carries. So right. he had one catch for a screen, and he got good yardage out of that, and he got pretty good yardage on two of his three carries, but he only got three carries. So, uh, but it's going to be Cam Akers taking those carries from him now, and I still, you know. Alexander Madison, PFF grades, if you look uh, right now, uh, he's ranked 41st out of 55 running backs in the NFL overall. His running grade is 33rd out of 54 running backs. So according to PFF, again, it's PFF, but they got the grade. He is in the lower tier of performing running backs right now in the NFL. So you could make an argument to say, yeah, he's, he's ripe to be replaced, especially if he puts the, 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 the ball on the ground. Ball on the ground. <laughs> But I'm not convinced that Cam Akers is a huge upgrade on Alexander Madison. Uh, if you look at Akers again, his stats, he's averaged four yards per carry in four, you know, in three and a bit seasons. Uh, not any, actually, that's a little worse than Alexander Madison, who's I think at 4.2. And not a huge amount of more explosive plays. Matt, one of the knocks on Madison, and it's not a knock, it's the fact, is that he's not a home run 
threat like Adrian Peterson was right. or Calvin Cook was, his longest run ever has been 48 yards. But last week, but again, the whether it's Akers, whether it's Madison, like I said last week, is if the offensive line ain't opening holes for these guys, the Vikings aren't going to have an effective run game no matter who you got in there. And last week against the Chargers, they ran, they they run blocked much much better. Um, we we had I think oh, on twenty three carries one hundred and forty yards, which is like five point five yards per carry. That's excellent. Alexander Madison had twenty carries for ninety three yards. Uh, again, that's that's really good. Uh, so that I think is. Alexander Madison, I think, can do the job. He's not Nick Chubb. He's not Dalvin Cook in his prime. He's not Adrian Peterson in his prime. But he he can get the job done. And you can have an effective running game getting five yards a carry, uh, you know, six yards a carry, four to eight yards a carry. Eight, you know, that's what he did last week against the Chargers. A lot of. Especially if they're all positive and generally his are positive. Yeah. Well, last week, a lot of eight yard runs, nine yard runs four or five yard runs. Those are all positive plays. Yeah. He's not getting Uh, tackled two yards behind the line of scrimmage. He runs hard. Uh, He's very rarely the first tackler takes him down. He's got those positives. And so I think that for me, uh, yeah, we got cam makers in there. Let's use them uh, as a change of pace is something a little, a little bit different look for defenses. But uh, I think if for me, I'd like to see more evidence, two or three games uh, to see if Madison, if he keeps on putting the ball on the ground, if he can't get any, if he has another 15 carry 30 yard effort, like he did the previous two games, then yeah, you're obviously, I think, I think the offensive line would still be a big, big culprit to that, but you've got to try something else. But now I don't think it's the time to demote him. And, and the fun thing is really uncharacteristic for Madison because up until this year, he had only in over 400 carries. He'd only put the ball on the ground twice, so he's not a, a fumbler. Uh, at least, not what I've seen in his first yeah, four generally. years. Generally, mm-hmm. generally. So, uh, a little bit. I think is it possible he gets demoted? And are the Vikings thinking about it? I, oh yeah, <laughs> they're thinking about it. They're thinking about probably looking at all aspects of the team. And all players, except for a few, like Justin Jefferson, because your own three, uh, how good can you be You get, and if you're own three? And you got to be looking to upgrade somehow at some places. And Madison, with the way the running game has been, is an obvious choice. But I don't think it's right now it would be the right move to do that. Um, I'm a bit surprised that th- this year that you were right, Dave, and I was wrong in the, pre- in the offseason. Uh, you were surprised. Thought- <laughs> not surprised by that, uh, but I'm, su- I'm su- surprised that I thought that Chandler and, and Madison would, they would be a bit more even as to mm-hmm. the di- distribution of carries that Chandler would get eight to 10 a game or something like that. And it hasn't worked out. Madison's got 39 carries and Chandler has like five or six right now. So it's been Madison toting the rock the whole time for the Vikings when they're able to run the ball, which hasn't been very much. Um, um, because they haven't been effective doing at it, but uh, but I I thought that it'd be a bit more equitable between Madison and whoever was the backup. I was and it has you had that sit, quote synergetic style of committee where they all played yeah. off each other and all kept going. But I always thought Madison is the type of guy you need to lather up. Once he gets lathered up, he starts busting plays. But you yeah. got to get lathered up. Now, I want to address Brian. Brian's worried uh, running 
between the tackles hasn't been so good. Brian, I don't know if you've noticed, at least in all the grading metrics, the our interior guys block, run block rather well, which tells me it's scheme and running back. So I don't know. You know, that's their strongest suit. And of course, we talked all this week how they came up ranking fifth, fourth ish across of the slew of different metrics on how good the offensive line is, which just tells me the entire NFL, except for a couple of the teams that we played, absolutely suck. Um, line play is way, way down, way down. And the first team that solves that on a long-term basis via drafting and coaching will probably work themselves into always being competitive as long as they have a decent quarterback. But there's not that many right now that you could say, hey, those lines are monsters. On the defense, there's only less than a handful. And on the offense, there's probably less than that. So drafting and coaching are going to be the keys on those because they aren't being developed. So you're going to have to target them early. Hopefully get some... You know, O-line school guys that develop them that can give you early warnings on, hey, this guy's developing is going to be good, and that you keep your eye on him. Yeah, if Cam breaks a few 60-yarders, we would have one. I agree. Oh, yes. But uh, his his longest run in his three-plus years is 61 yards. If you look at his other seasons, he had one 61-yard run and then not very long runs the other two seasons. Now, one of them, he only had one carry <laughs> for the season. So um, maybe you could probably scratch the 2022 or 21 out of there. But, uh, but, but yeah, um, I'm, I, even though I don't think it's time to take to give Madison like a demotion and put Acres up there because what has Acres proven? I am um, looking We're forward to, to see him. Yeah. yeah, looking forward to seeing him in there and seeing what kind of juice he can add to the Vikings' offense, uh, which I think, despite what some people think, it could use a little juice itself. Oh, without a doubt. That brings us to theme three. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. All right, Dave. Roll out those numbers, baby. <laughs> Here come the slides. Hey, we're doing right now the preview of the Vikings at the Panthers game. And we're going to start off with the injury report. In the first Bit of it, the Vikings have Lewis Seen out. Lewis Seen pulled a hammy 
according to coach. And it was in a warm-up or some sort of drill ahead of last game. He is out on the questionable list. And I'll the I'll believe it when I see it is yeah. Edge Marcus Davenport. Also with uh in his ankle. And then with his back comes Garrett Bradbury. Whether Bradbury starts tomorrow, I have no idea. That will be a game time decision. I think they should have a hot pad on that sucker. Let him go through practice, put another hot pad on, see if he's good or through warm-ups. And if he if it tightens up again, he's not playing. It'll be the same as last week. Uh, you got to get these to the, the, the. Maybe you haven't seen the commercials because in the U.S. I don't know what transfers, but the Doctor Ho is uh, heating pads for. <laughs> to, I haven't seen those. Uh, oh yeah, they, yeah. Well, anyway, I, they're, oh, they're on, good. <laughs> they're, they're not good, but they're I, they're on all the time in Canada here, and like uh, it's for various ailments. You know, you put this pad on; it's got sense electric sensors. I've actually done it for my back. Uh, it does feel damn good. Uh, they should give some of those to Garrett on the sideline tomorrow. <laughs> see see if it works. Helps him play. Yep. And the last one is uh, Jaron Hall, who had a family emergency, and the only reason he's on there is they're not sure he's going to be back in time. Is he's not injured himself, but he had to leave because of a family emergency. Um, hey, Julian. Hey, first off, we see everybody in the chats. We appreciate you being there graciously. I'm sorry I haven't been bringing you up. We've been trying to knock through this, but you guys all rock. And I do want to acknowledge that we see you there, especially mm-hmm. our favorites from David Chains to Anthony. To Justin, of course, Travis, Jonathan, who else are we missing? The Doc's in the house, Brian. Purple A's in there. Purple North A's. Yeah. What's going on. Grandizer, Norsefius, of course. Uh, Norsefius, as far as notifications, sometimes YouTube just says, screw you, we're not going to notify you on this one. And that's what they do. And Julian, welcome to the show. Now, for the Panthers, Xavier Woods. Yep, that Xavier Woods, the one that used to be on the Vikings, is out. He's uh, trying to remember what he has. I think it's some sort of leg injury, hammy or ankle or something. He's out. Linebacker, and all these guys are um, starters. Linebacker, Frankie Luvu is questionable. Jonathan Mingo is questionable. Wide receiver and Miles Sanders at running back is questionable. And uh, one of them, was it Luvu? One of them had a concussion. I don't want to say that was Mingo. And uh, another had a hip. I think it was Miles Sanders or something. Or Luvu had the hip. So, we don't know. It's, we'll find out tomorrow. The only thing that's certain is the guys that are already listed out and then that Marcus Davenport will play Sasquatch. So will he be seen or not? Yes. And then we get off to the battle of the quarterbacks. Right now we have power rankings, PFF power rankings of the quarterbacks on your side of the ring in purple is Kirk Cousins. He has a power rating of 3.5. 
In the blue corner, you have Bryce Young with a power rating of 1.0. And those are power ratings, and the higher the number, the better. In this case, battle goes to Kirk Cousins. When we get to offensive stats, we have PFF offense, Vikings offense ranked as fifth. I have no idea why. It is what PFF does. They have us ranked as fifth overall. Are we efficient? Passing a a lot. It's got to be because of all that passing. And the Panthers defense as 29th. So by them, this should be a cakewalk. However, I think the spread, I think, is up to now four points. You have the DVOA data, which is now found at FTN Fantasy versus Football Outsiders, has the Vikings offense dropping a little bit to 16th overall, 14th in the pass, and moving up a tad in the run to 25th. Against the Panthers defense, which they have 24th, 11th against the pass, which is pretty good, except for their safeties are out. Um, One's on IR, and Xavier Woods is out. Then uh, they are 32nd against the run, which tells us our running back should have a good game. Hopefully. We'll find out. But so should Kirk Cousins and the high-passing offense. It should be probably as close to balanced as balanced in Kevin O'Connell's thinking as you can get because it lines up great. Now, we'll get to it, but they do have a couple good guys on the interior of their defensive line. Eh, We'll have to deal with. Now, when it comes to Elias, the Vikings moved up overall in offense to third. They're second in passing. Why? Because we've been throwing the ball. Heck out of the ball. They're 31st in rushing, which is normal. I mean, the first two games were barely nothing. 17th in points, we've taken eight sacks. We are 32nd in giveaways with a minus seven differential. That's not good, by the way. That's what killed us. On the other side, Panthers are defense is 13th total yards, 9th against passing, 29th or 28th in rushing, 25th in points. And they've had a grand total of 10 sacks with a ranking of ninth. Your line, I, like I said, I think it's Vikings by four right now. Over-under is 45 and a half. When we get to the flip the side of the field, our defense has actually gone up to 18th <laughs> per PFF. And their offense is 30th. They must value run defense. <laughs> I don't know. I, I, I'm unbelievable. We get to DVOA, which I think is a little bit more sane. They have going down to 27th, 23rd against the pass, 24th against the run, which is interesting because both those numbers are higher than 27, but yes. it's, a, it's a how it compares to the rest of the league deal. They have their offense at 26, 24th in pass, and 26 in run. So it's when it comes to our defense against their offense, it should be pretty much a wash, which is going to make it interesting. Yards, Vikings defense is 27th, and that went down. 25th against the pass. 19th against rushing, which is surprising. 26th in points. 
And uh, 21st, it was sacks with only six sacks. And we have, or 25th in takeaways, we only have two takeaways. Other interceptions, I believe. I don't think one of them was a fumble recovery. No. Um, one was an interception. By, Hicks, Hicks knocked the ball out. Um, that's right. That's fumble recovery. He recovered it. Yeah, and then we had, uh, and then, uh, and then uh, Jackson uh, yeah, had the interceptions. Those are your two, your two uh, turnovers. Dexter, uh, the Niners are probably the best team in the NFC <laughs> right now. Um, we're not disagreeing yeah. with you. Panthers offensive side, they rank twenty first in yards, twenty second in passing, eighteenth in rushing, twenty fourth in points. They've taken eight sacks. They have. 19 or they rank 19th with four giveaways and a minus two differential. So it's on paper looking side by side, Vikings are favored. We have one more category that's special teams. Vikings dropped a little bit to 15th overall, and the Panthers are at 11. So that's a relative wash. Yeah. I, I'm, trying to figure out maybe it was the punting i don't know why we, we dropped and, and, those and that wasn't of, too terrible yeah <laughs> so, he, didn't, he didn't average his 50 yard plus he put a through through the end zone last week or a couple well, that yeah. may be it here we go bryce young we will be facing bryce young we will and um that if you're brian flores and you're the vikings i think based on uh, Bryce Young's first two games, um, even though the first overall pick and all that stuff, a highly decorated uh, career at college at Alabama and all all that stuff. But um, if you're Brian Flores in the Vikings defense with the way they've been playing right now, you are really happy that Bryce Young is starting this game and not Ginger Andy Dalton because um, Ginger Andy, Andy Dalton had the offense uh, the Carolina offense against Seattle last week uh, performed, I think, at, at a much higher level with him at quarterback than with Bryce Young the previous two weeks when they played the Saints. We have a very good defense, by the way, so that plays into a two. And then in the Falcons in the first game, uh, I, this is a win for Brian Flores and the Vikings defense that Bryce Young is playing, at least in theory. <laughs> in theory, yeah. No, it's it's perfect Vikings luck to go out there against a rookie who's played absolutely horrible and he has the game of his life yes we know that. yes we've seen that many times where the vikings are you know we're saying yeah man the vikings should really feed defense should really feast because we got the backup guy or this rookie guy we're playing against or we got this backup guy like cooper rush and then it doesn't turn out that way at all i uh, wouldn't be surprised if that was the case tomorrow but but if I had to pick, I'd want to see Bryce Young tomorrow playing against the Vikings defense and not Andy Dalton. And this is because Andy Dalton is a vet. Uh, he's seen a lot of crap in his 15 years in the league or whatever it is. Uh, and he's the one who can, you, you know, he, he'll be able to process when Brian Flores is is trying to mug things up at the line of scrimmage. Uh, you know, who's who's who is he sending? Where is he sending them from? All that kind of stuff. Andy Dalton, I think he, he's seen a lot of stuff. He'd be able to process that and get the, the Panthers into the right play and make the right right decision um, on a lot, of, a lot more than Bryce Young will. What I've seen from Bryce Young in the two games that he's played it is that he's held onto the ball 
a long, long time on his passes. He seems really indecisive about where to go. I don't think he's trusting what he's seeing. And that's not surprising because he's a rookie who's getting used to the speed of the game at the NFL level and the complexity of the defenses that he's facing at the NFL level, no matter how awesome he was at Alabama in his career. And he was awesome there, but he's, he, and he's staring down the guys that he's throwing at, which led to a couple of bad interceptions against Atlanta, which is the big reason they lost that game against Atlanta because Atlanta didn't do squat on offense for the most part. Their points were all handed to them by Carolina turnovers, two of which were Bryce young um, interceptions, bad ones over the middle where the safety just kind of spied in. So if you're Brian Flores, uh, you're, I think you're kind of rubbing your hands and looking forward to putting that, the heat on Bryce Young at times, uh, like you tried to do against Justin Herbert, but you're probably, you're probably feeling you're going to have more success doing that uh, because of Bryce Young being young and still getting adjusted to the NFL game and all that goes into it and the mental gymnastics that a quarterback has to go through to figure out what a defense is trying to do to him. Now, um, you know, uh, the, the, the side of that is that Frank Reich, the Panthers coach has certainly right. watched tape from the last game, the chargers and the two previous. And you know, that the game plan, I think the first quarter in particular is going to be, he's going to want to get the ball out of Bryce Young's hand very quickly. Uh, he, and he, he's much like he's going to with, try to run up the middle as one of the yeah. attacks. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And he's going to want the, going to test the, the Vikings run defense and try to get Miles Sanders and Chubu Hubbard into the game and see if the running game can take pressure off of Bryce Young on the passing game. And when Bryce Young throws, I think you're going to see a lot of short stuff early on if the Vikings look like they're going to blitz. Um, and that's why, again, for Flores tomorrow, blitz when it's the right time to blitz. I don't want to see you blitzing every play because the, the Panthers are going to do just what the Chargers did. Maybe they won't be as um, effective at it because they don't have Justin Herbert at quarterback. They don't have Keenan Allen as catching the balls or Mike Williams. Uh, you know, and the Panthers running game, Miles Sanders is, is a quality running back, but their run game so far has been uh, pretty meh. Uh, their passing game is pretty mad because they don't have a game breaker at wide receiver right now. Adam right. Thielen went off for 11 catches and 145 yards last game against the the Seahawks. And that's his first hundred yard game. I think in like f- four seasons or something like that. It had been a while, It had been a while. Uh, yeah. but he's 33. He's not a deep threat anymore. Uh, and beyond him, they got G- DJ Chark, who's a fast guy, but he's never been uh, a guy who's ever, other than his 1,000-yard season at Jacksonville. He's never been the number one real huge guy you got to account for. And then without him, you got Terrence Marshall Jr., uh, the rookie Jonathan Mingo, LaVisca Cheneau, not a scary wide receiver group. So no. this is an offense with, with oh, Bryce don't Young. Don't forget Amir Smith-Marset, too. Oh, yes, yes. Even Amir Smith-Marset is on the team. He's returning punts, though, really. That's all yeah. his, his role. I'm not doing very well at them. But <laughs> he is on the team. You know, this is an offense that, that again, if, the, if Brian Flores and our defense is lacking in talent as it has, if we're going to have a good game, this is an offense, a team that, that it's, gonna, it's going to happen against. And if we can't do it against these, we're not going to do it against anybody. But like you said, we've seen so many times where the Vikings are facing not the starting quarterback or a young, right. inexperienced quarterback, and we they have the game of their lives against us. And again, wouldn't be surprised to see that happen again with Bryce Young. But 
but that I think that's the, the what's going to happen on them. I, I really think Flores again with the let's mix things right. up. Let's not be predictable. Uh, I think it's what what Atlanta did and what I saw from what the Saints did against Bryce Young is they did not send you know they didn't blitz him heavy. They depended on their four guys getting at it and depended on and they dropped more guys back seven and eight guys back in coverage and they tried to force him to figure things out and figure out the coverages. And a lot of times he did not do that. Um, if you're blitzing him, sure, you're taking away time, but you're also got less guys in the, in the coverage right. areas and making it more obvious for Bryce Young on where to go with his reads, which might make the game easier for him. I don't know, but, but um, it's going to be interesting to see how Bryce Young reacts to whatever Flores does. And also what Flores does to Bryce Young, like, is he going to do be more? Yeah. yeah, is he going to drop? You know, try to do more of the drop more guys into coverage in this case because he's he's he thinks that actually forcing Bryce Young to survey the field and make decisions is actually harder for is a better course of action on defense than just sending the kitchen sink at Young and, and forcing. Yeah, well, I, I expect a lot of the bringing everybody up and then and moving people around all over the place just confusing. Because he's going to see stuff he's never seen before. And that, I think, is the game plan. Now, on the offensive side of the ball, are we going to see Dalton Reisner, Risner, Reisner start in which position? I I am feeling confident that, uh, and he did take first team reps in in practice, or at least some of them. Both left and right guard. Uh, I think the Vikings are just doing that because because it again it's possible that either of either Ingram or Cleveland anybody on the offensive line can get hurt right and right. so you want that flexibility for a guy who might not be your starter yet but you want flexibility for all those guys to be able to move over to different spots if if your one starter gets gets hurt and you you feel the, the backup at left guard is is not as good as the backup at right guard. So you, you switch one right. of your starters over to there and, and then you bring the better backup into this, into the spot. I think Ryzen will play in and, and that it's going to be Ed Ingram that is going to be taking uh, a seat or uh, be standing on the sidelines. I think the Vikings have to do that. You know, Ingram, Again, according to PFF, he had an awesome game last week. Well, his overall grades were outstanding, uh, but uh, he had it was a really running game. Heavily weighted on on his run blocking, which was like ninety one something. It was a, yeah, and he was he was hurting people on the run. Yeah, and now on the pass, it was still the same old, same old Ed Ingram, yeah. and uh, and and so I think you, you got to think that is where the, the the change has to be made. And uh, again, Reisner, we've seen his grades. He's a stronger pass blocker than a run blocker, and with the Vikings still throwing the ball a lot. Um, I think Reisner, if you somehow, if Bradbury is back to start at center, and then you've got Reisner at right guard in case in place of Ed Ingram, that may, you know, this offensive line, I feel, is really, it struggled against the Chargers. It really struggles to pick up like stunts, games that defensive lines, they have yes. a hard time commuting, communicating. It seems how to, who to pick up where. Ed Ingram is a big, is a big culprit in that. Uh, I don't know. Uh, that's something that, that I think takes a long time to fix. And uh, 
maybe Reisner isn't going to be the the anecdote to the, the antidote to that, but I feel that his his upgrade in pass blocking that could be just a little bit of a little bit of extra, a little bit of improvement that we need for the offense to function just a little bit better and be a little bit more effective than it has. So I, I think it's going to happen, and I think Ed Ingram is the guy who's going to be uh, taken out of the starting five uh, as a result. It's going to be interesting to see. I'm curious. And we'll find out tomorrow. By this time, we'll exactly know what happened. So, And and the Vikings, I think uh, they, you know, Carolina's 0-3 like us, uh, and their defense, as you saw, is not highly rated in, in any of the any of these stats that you threw up, but that doesn't mean they don't have good players. Um, and the Vikings, in, the, I mean, one guy in particular that they're going to have to watch for, and this is not something that Reisner will be dealing with so much, is like Brian Burns, who I've always liked, is a huge, huge problem. Going to be a huge, huge problem for the Vikings. He's been a huge, huge problem for all three teams that the Panthers had faced. Created a ton of pass pressures. He's got three sacks. But he's he's like a major, major guy who's running. His motor's running hot all the time. He's going downhill, and he's he's usually lined up against on the right tackle. So Brian O'Neill is going to be facing him a lot tomorrow. And Brian O'Neill has to win that battle more a lot more often than he loses. For because uh, and then Der, Derek Brown, the big defensive tackle, he is another problem that the Vikings are going to have to have to account for and win that battle. And um, and in that case, Reisner may be able to be of more assistance than Ed Ingram, particularly on the pass plays, uh, with his ability to pass block a lot better than Ed Ingram does. And the other guy that's the other guy that's um, you wouldn't have heard a lot about him, but he was on your injury report. Frankie Lavu. Uh, I didn't think a whole lot of him, but watching the Panthers play in the three games, this guy is all over the place on the field in the games that I've watched. Um, they send him a lot on pass rush. He's a very aggressive and good tackler. And if he is unable to play, uh, that would be a huge benefit to the Vikings offense as well. The, the, what really, really, so I think, you know, key, key tomorrow is the Vikings offensive line has to, you know, they, they ran the ball well, they run, they run block much better, but it didn't seem to, help pass blocking we still struggled even though we're running the ball well we, we really struggled against the chargers to protect kirk cousins and it's and that's not the way it should go if you're running the ball well it seems you should be able to keep the defense right. on its heel and be able to uh you know uh, create more time for your and for your quarterback to throw but that didn't seem to happen against the chargers um i think the real key you know, for the Vikings offense, it's been mentioned before. You mentioned it. Xavier Woods is out their safety. J.C. Horn, who's their starting quarterback, he's on IR, so he's not there. So the Vikings have a huge mismatch as far as our pass catchers versus their secondary. We have to win that battle and and win it handily tomorrow, and uh, for the offense to to be able to roll like we want it to roll and still. And also run, I think, as effectively as we did against the Chargers, which I think is possible against the Panthers. Um, the other thing that's kind of very important, you've got him up there, Kevin O'Connell. Uh, he's got to coach better, Dave. Um, I agree. I, and I want more aggression out of him. A lot of fans have been asking for that. I think for with, with O'Connell, like decision-making has was questioned recently and particularly last game. Um, you know, just one example here, 
the first drive of the second half against the Chargers. First three plays, everything's going great. We're already at our 48-yard line. Madison had just gotten a two-yard, uh, an eight-yard run. It's second and two. Second and two, Dave. <laughs> that is most any NFL offense or the salt, second and two, unless they get a like a penalty, 15-yard penalty or something. They that's a first down. Should be first down nine times out of ten. What do we do? We throw a big long, two long passes to Justin Jefferson on two cases where he was not open at all. We end up punting the ball. Um, right. when we got some points and like uh, on that third incompletion to Justin Jefferson, which was a long pass down the right sideline, when they showed the replay, nobody was really open there. And actually Jefferson was the most open of our wide receivers. But for me, and we don't know what decisions like did cousins miss somebody open on the previous play or whatever. But to me, uh, the play call is the issue there. You know, there's got to be with the talent we have on the wide receiver with Addison, with Hawkinson, with Justin Jefferson. We there must be ways for us to scheme when we only need three yards. Like you see, other teams, you know, Detroit doing this routinely. They just like clockwork. They're able to complete a four yard pass on a second and three or whatever, and right. move the chains. We don't seem to be able to scheme up those plays to get. No, he's he's sending guys deep, long developing passes when all you need is, you know, needed three yards for the first down, throw a four yard pass, and you keep the chains moving. I agree. Now, the aggression I want is score, score early, score often, and keep scoring. I want, we have not seen this team either last year or this year so far under his head coaching era bury somebody they need to come out and bury somebody we joked about it with zimmer zimmer being the the gentlemanly way the unspoken rules you never run up the score that's embarrassing right people complain that the dolphins did it against the broncos i want to see that i don't care it's not embarrassing it's embarrassing to those that get their asses whooped pardon my french and get run all over. That's that's wrong. I, if you can't put up with the big boys, take it like a man. Take that medicine like a man and go home and work on it. And I want to see a head coach with that philosophy, period. Go bury them. We have the horses on the offensive side to do that. And in some games, whether it's up against Kansas City or whomever, we're going to need those horses just to compete. Go do it. Mateo was mentioning down there to, to stick just for a second with Kevin O'Connell has to coach better. Um, Mateo has touched on it and I'm going to as well about the one thing that's been bothering me and it's been something that bothered me even last year is that um, Justin Jefferson, best wide receiver in the NFL, but um, where are the, why aren't we getting the ball and targeting him and getting him touchdown passes? <laughs> like we're, He's got one touchdown pass this year in three games, and it was all it was a it was mostly created by him because he outran the coverage and got a fifty-one yard catch and run pass. But down again, Kevin O'Connell down in the red zone, like Mateo asked twice, and we did not run plays that got him open. Uh, And like, and I see that all routinely. It seems like we let the defensive team and their coverage dictate where we're going the ball, which, you know, I understand that. But there's got to be ways to, again, run plays, scheme, picks, rubs, whatever, to get Justin Jefferson, your best player, open. Uh, 
in the in the end zone in the red zone to get him the ball and get create a touchdown pass uh, and i just don't see it enough and like sean mcveigh as always finds a way to get cooper cup the ball right. in the red zone and everybody knows he's getting the ball and when Devonte adams was in green bay how many times did we see him against the vikings a lot down the red zone they found a way to get him wide open wide open even though you should have three guys on him <laughs> like yep. almost Kevin O'Connell has not been able to figure out how to get Justin Jefferson open in the red zone enough the past last year and this year. And I think that's something he's got to work on. And again, we talked about it, but that whole business with that not clocking the ball and that last drive, uh, like that was just, to me, was unforgivable. I know hindsight's twenty twenty, but during the game, I'm actually yelling during the game when Hawkinson caught the ball. Okay. Now clock it, clock it, clock it. You know, we, <laughs> you don't right. want to keep it down there because you're not going to have time to run four downs anyway. You don't know. <laughs> right. Exactly. You need more time, get set, get organized, call a good play. Even if, if it gave the chargers a chance for their defense to get organized, I'd rather us be more uh, to have be organized than be as disorganized as we looked and then run what we did. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I agree. Well, that brings us to the end of the show, and hopefully I can go find some more allergy relief. Oh, yeah. Um, I appreciate everybody that's joined us today and put up with my sniffles, because literally the dust here is just killing me. It's not as bad as the smoke up there, and luckily you've got some rain, and that's starting to clear off. A few last words. Please remember Mary and your thoughts. And prayer, she's back in the hospital. They're still trying to figure out what's up with her. Mm-hmm. We won't find out anything until after Monday. Hopefully, she'll be able to watch the game tomorrow, and we'll feel much better after a Vikings win. So we got to get... Yeah, and Justin, Tonga, we have no idea. And what I'm sipping, I showed it, it's Herman Marshall, Distillery Reserve, it's their Texas bourbon. It's. I was hoping that the high alcohol content would help. And <clears throat> boy, do I feel the high alcohol content, but I do not. It's 123 proof. It's a very, very good sipping bourbon. So, should we sign Akeem Hicks? What do you think, Darren? Um... Well, interesting that he hasn't been signed by anybody, but I've always thought Akeem Hicks is a hell of a hell of a football player, and he always played well against us. I would actually kick the tires on him and consider bringing him in, but uh, he's not in his prime. But uh, <laughs> there's supposedly he doesn't get along with our defensive line coach. This is what I heard. Okay, well, uh, not much chance if if he's not willing to sign here. There's not much chance that we're going to be able to convince him to come. So. <laughs> Well, it depends how many of those much chances. Everybody has a price. That's true. I don't think we have enough to spend, but that's beside the point. Um, Any last words, everybody? Um, Well, just 0-3. And and last week we talked about how if you go 0-3, your season's over. Uh, Of course, now I'm singing a new tune. Um, It's just the old cliche. There's only been one team that's went 0-4 and and made the playoffs. Like, for for the Vikings is just just get that first win and move on from there, right? Like that's all they they can do. Uh, I know it's daunting to look at it, and with the way things are going, you got fourteen games left, and you you look at it and you say, really, 
we got to kind of go like nine and five or 10 and four if we want to make the playoffs. Uh, and this team does not look like it's good enough to do that. But you can't look that way. You can't think that way as a, and these athletes don't. Uh, you just got to work on winning that first game and going from there. And you know what faces you the following week, but you don't worry about that because you got to beat the Panthers. And uh-huh. if anybody uh-huh. thinks the Panthers are going to roll over and be an easy win tomorrow, uh, I, and I don't know how many people would think that, but that ain't happening. This is going to no. be, I'd be shocked if we won by more than a touchdown. Um, we're just not that good of a team and uh, neither's Carolina. And it's good. I think it's a pretty even, even game. Obvious, obvious of mismatches. three teams. Yeah. Who's fighting for the basement. And you got another battle of Owen three teams where the Denver Broncos who just, had 70 points put on them, traveled to Chicago, and they are favored in that game against the Bears because Chicago is one big, massive dumpster fire. Okay, Dave, let's say. Uh, which I know, Dave, we're going to lose to Chicago. Yes. Yeah, let's let's say that we win tomorrow and we somehow win against Kansas City and then we go lose to Chicago. Yeah. Well, that's why I want Chicago to win tomorrow against the Broncos, <laughs> so that they'd have a win in case we're two and two and three going in there. Uh huh. Mateo reminds us that Adam Thielen it could possibly be a revenge game. I don't. Uh, I'm not sure about him. Maybe his wife. Uh, but <laughs> not so sure. Now, what's coming up for us tomorrow? approximately 11 o'clock-ish, if I remember correctly. Hop on over to Purple and Gold for Days, their YouTube channel there, his, Justin. Justin Day will go live with his last-minute updates. He'll have all the who's in, who's out, all that sort of stuff, active, inactive, any last-minute news. He will be there for you in your run-up to the football game. And then live at the two-minute warning, you have the Vikings first and skull team with hopefully Justin. You'll have Tyler, myself, and Jonas Stark from over in Germany. The season's champion, Jonas Stark. He'll be over and we'll discuss, watch the last two minutes with you and react live in time, either celebrating or venting like we did last week. So come join us. With that, buddy, what do we say? We say Skull Vikings, baby. Skull Vikings. Like, subscribe, and ring the bell. And rate us on your favorite podcast aggregator. Darren and Dave, thank you for watching this episode of Two Old Bloggers. We look forward to seeing you on every show on the new Vikings First and Skull. You can find our podcasts as part of the Fans First Sports Network. Sports takes for the fan, from the fan. Skull, everybody. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? 
I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At ChumbaCasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. This has been a Vikings First and Skull production. Part of the Fans First Sports Network.